Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. It is a pleasure this morning for me to, to be standing in front of you and just... Um, Allowing God to speak through in and through me, and uh, you know I'm I'm really really excited to be part of this community, and just to share what God has placed in my heart. Some of my experiences being part of this community, and you know it's uh, it's really an honor to just have people around you that in, that can encourage you and point you to the source of life that is Jesus Christ. So it is really an awesome privilege that I am here this morning. And um, yeah, I'll be sharing uh, in a moment what, uh, what God has placed on my heart. But um, <clears throat> one of the thoughts that I had on my mind uh, when I was coming up here is, uh, you know, when you've got the mic, you've got the opportunity to say whatever you want to say. Obviously, I don't want to scare Etienne right now and, uh, <laughs> and, and make him think that I'm going to share something crazy. But um, <clears throat> um, it's something that I've been thinking about in the past few weeks that, you know, oftentimes we're encouraged during the, the service to come, to come to the front and share what God has placed in our hearts. I grew up in a church setting where that, those kind of opportunities were not given to people because obviously you wouldn't know what people were going to share in front there. But one of the reasons why I really, really appreciate this community is there is an equipping. People are being equipped to realize that they actually have the Holy Spirit inside of them and that the Holy Spirit is speaking in and through them. So that means when you are equipping people, you can have the confidence and boldness that when people go to the front and share a word that God has placed on their heart, they can share from the Spirit because you're teaching them to hear from the Spirit. But when you're in a community where people are not being equipped, where the one source of revelation is only the guy that has the title pastor or prophet or bishop or whatever the case might be, then obviously be, you need to be careful about who goes to the front because people are not being, being equipped to realize that they actually have the Holy Spirit inside of them and that the Spirit, just as much as he's speaking to Etienne, just as much as he's speaking to Devon, to Nikita, to whoever else, he's speaking also to them. So that is really one of the reasons that I've grown to appreciate this community because every single believer has got the Holy Spirit inside of them and every single believer has the ability to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and what the Holy Spirit is ministering to the body of Christ. So as, as, as a bit of a test, uh, not a testimony, but rather my, my experience or even why I'm here in Cape Town or why we're here as a family. So my wife and I, we've got two boys now. Uh, one is five and the other one is ten months or uh, nine months, uh, almost ten. So we came to South Africa. We're originally from Zimbabwe. We came to South Africa with the intention of not staying in South Africa. We were actually on our way. We had a plan. We had set out a plan to say, you know, we're going to go to South Africa and then we're going to uh, stay there maybe for a couple of years, maybe one or two years, and then we, we uh, you know, we ramp up and go somewhere else with Australia. I don't know whatever destination that we had in mind. Um, and then we, so we were in Jobek for about one and a half years, then got an opportunity to move to Cape Town, joined this community of Grace Life, and suddenly, our perspective changed. Whatever it is that we had in mind initially about not staying changed. It changed simply because it's not like we, had, we, we found like a gold mine here in Cape Town or something which could sustain us for the rest of our lives. But it was really more about what was the reason why we wanted to go wherever we wanted to go. What was the reason? Was it a reason that God had placed in our heart to say, go somewhere and stay there? Or was it more of a selfish kind of reason where we're saying, oh, you know, things are not going well in my country. In South Africa, things are also starting to go down because you can always find bad reasons if you look for them. So in that moment where we started 
you know, having a perspective that was more eternal, we actually realized this is where we were, we were meant to be. Because God was now starting to speak to us from the perspective of eternity, not, ra- not just from the perspective of the here and now. I mean, there's nothing wrong with migrating, going to another place. There's absolutely nothing wrong. But then the question will always be, what are you going there for? What is your reason for wanting to go wherever you want to go? Is that reason motivated by selfish ambitions? Or is that reason inspired by the Holy Spirit? Inspired by God speaking in and through you to say, move from this place and go to another place. Because we do have examples in the Bible of people moving from place to place. Abraham was one of them. But we know that he moved on the basis of God spoke a word and he believed the word. So there is absolutely nothing wrong, but again, we should always check in our hearts what is the reason why I want to do A, B, C, and D and move to wherever I want to go. So no, this wasn't, um, this is, this wasn't my message. It's something that I was just thinking about and you know, just wanted to share with you this morning. So this morning I'm going to be ministering on a word which uh, uh, when, when, when Norman was just speaking just made me realize that you know, there's, also, there's also fun in the Holy Spirit. You know, the humor, amidst all that humor, Norman was actually introducing my message. So I'm sure if you look on the screen, I'm going to be ministering on the topic, what is flowing out of you. It's something that was not in my notes, but it's something that is very much relevant to the message that I'm going to be speaking, to, speaking about this morning. What is flowing out of you? But before we can even go to the point of saying, what is flowing out of you? The question is, what is flowing inside of you that you can overflow? What is flowing inside of you that so that you can overflow? So... I'm going to ask a few questions about the state of the world right now, the state of our lives right now, when we're looking at what's happening around us, in and around us. I've got a question. What is the purpose of an ad, an advert? What is the purpose of an advert? So I work for a company that deals with um, advertising and marketing. So I know definitely one of the purposes of an ad is so that you can, it can grab your attention. An ad is placed in somewhere where you might be on Facebook, on social media, or even on a website researching something, and then you see an ad pop up on the side. What is, the, what is it meant for? It's meant to grab your attention. Because it wants you, once your attention is on the ad, what is the next likely thing that you're going to do? You click on it. And the moment you click on it already, because I know this from working for my company, they already have trackers that are saying, oh, this person has actually just clicked this advert. What other advert can we actually give him? That's, that's how the engines are working in the background. So you click an ad and it takes you to a certain page or a certain website where there is a product that was being advertised. But eventually, what is the end goal of an ad? so that you can buy. The end goal is so that you buy something. So it started from an ad, getting your attention, and then it made you act by clicking on it, but eventually it also made you act by buying on it. And eventually over time, you will realize that you always be getting pop-up apps that are related to something that you've actually just clicked on or something that you've just bought. That is exactly what the state of the world is like. Everywhere you look around, there's probably different kinds of information. You turn on the TV, there's the news. There's obviously something, there's a message that they're trying to sell to you. But even here, there is a message that we're also trying to bring to you. Because we're not just here to just you know, enjoy some time together, some coffee, which is all nice, but obviously we're gathered for a purpose, for a message. Uh, Norman was sharing up one, some of the reasons why we gather, to partake together of the Spirit, to share in community, but also share in the Word that God has placed in our, in our lives. So thinking about what is 
flowing out of you. The question is, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? Could be the radio, could be social media, it could be anything, whatever platform that you can think of, what are you listening to? The other question is, where are you spending your time? And the other question is, who are you spending your time with? These are just questions that I'm just throwing around so that we can start thinking about them and just start to introspect what kind of information are we consuming? Where are we consuming that information from? And who are we spending our time with? Because all these things, all these things that I've just mentioned are avenues of information or sources of information that is getting inside of us. Whoever you spend time with would definitely shape the way that you act. But do they shape the way that you act just by meeting them today? It's probably over time. You start to be sarcastic if you spend more time with Etienne. <laughs> you only realize that because you're spending so much time with somebody, so you start to act like them, right? Because that's how it works. The more you spend time doing something or being with someone, you start to become like them. That is the, the, the nature of everything. But all these things are being stored somewhere in our innermost being that is in our hearts. And eventually, it will have to flow out somewhere because that is the only way we can become fruitful. And fruit can always take two forms. There will always be good fruit or bad fruit. And we will see that in the word as we go in. But our opening verse that I just want us to read um, is coming from John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, from the New King James Version. And this, these are the words of Jesus. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what did Jesus say? He says, anyone. So this is an invitation. Anyone who thirsts. So there is no exclusion when the word anyone is being mentioned in here. That means every single individual, anyone who thirsts. So that means there is a need. Anyone, all people, anyone who thirsts, there is a specific need that Jesus is addressing here. When you've got thirst, it means you are deficient of something. And in this case, usually it's water or fluids in your body. That means you need something to replenish that. You need something to refresh you so that that thirst can go away. If you don't have something flowing inside of you when you're thirsty, you will remain thirsty. In fact, you can only get worse because you're losing water through different parts of your body, sweating and all that. So if you're thirsty, it means you need something to replenish you, something to refresh you, something to get inside so that you can, you can feel refreshed. You, so that you no longer feel thirsty. So Jesus is inviting anyone who feels like they need refreshing to come and drink. Come to me and drink. So there's a specific location where we get this, and that is to Jesus. Jesus is the source in this instance. He who, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke about the Spirit because the Spirit had not yet been given. And thank God, now we live on the other side of the cross. So that means we are now speaking in retrospective to this statement. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples then before he had died, before the Holy Spirit had been poured upon us. So now we are after the cross, after Pentecost. So we, we are actually living out the reality of this message. That means the Holy Spirit has been poured out. So to anyone who believes, 
they have access to this uh, stream of living water in, living inside of them through the Holy Spirit because now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So now we can start to operate an overflow of the Spirit that is living inside of us. Now, one of the things that I like to do from time to time is clean the car. And, you know, I always used to, I always get a bucket and you put in a hose in the bucket and you, you're cleaning your car from the bucket. But as long as there's a tap connected to the bucket, that bucket will continue to fill up. As long as there's a tap connected to the bucket and water is flowing into the bucket, that bucket will always continue to fill up. And the only reason that bucket will, will overflow is because there's a constant inflow. The only reason they, a bucket would then start to overflow is because there's a constant inflow. So it, it is impossible for us to overflow of the Spirit if we are not ingesting of the Spirit. We will never get to a place where we start overflowing in the Spirit if we are not connected to the Spirit and constantly receiving of Him. So you can always ask yourself, the question is, why, not, why am I not experiencing that which the Bible, or that which the Word says about me, about Christians, about the power of the Holy Spirit praying on the sick and seeing them healed? Why am I not experiencing that? Maybe the question you should be asking yourself is, am I spending so much time in the, way, in the Spirit for me to receive of Him that I can start overflowing in the power of the Spirit? Because we always want to experience the end goal of something, but without actually spending time to receive of that something. Because there's no way that we can start overflowing if we are not constantly connected to the source of life that we can receive and get to that place where out of our abundance we start to overflow to other people. Because that is where it all starts. It starts with the inflow. You can't overflow what you don't have. You have to only overflow what is inside of you. So if you think about it sometimes, you know, especially when you're dealing with people that have just come to the Lord, what happens if you've got a bucket that's full of water and you just pour it out all at once? It kind of seems overwhelming in that moment, even though it might be a five-liter bucket, whatever the, the amount is, but the moment you pour out something all at once, it kind of seems overflowing. That's, that's usually what we try to do sometimes. Uh, what can I do? I'm just going to read all the verses I can find so that I can start overflowing, but it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. We only get to a place where we intimately start to overflow when we constantly and intimately receive an inflow. The moment you, you try and, 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 you know, just throw everything out all at once on something, you overwhelm people, and suddenly there's too much information to digest at one point in time. We need to have a system where it's in, in bite sizes that we can, start, we can receive, and also in bite sizes we can also give to people. There's a lot that we have to know about Jesus, but we can't share all at once. This, this is the reason why every Sunday we come in, we hear a word. And the other Sunday we come in, we hear another word, because we can, we can, that's how we learn. That's how we learn. We don't learn everything all at once, but it takes time for us to assimilate things, and it takes a lot of repetition. The same thing over and over again for us to receive that which we are meant to receive. So it's always important, especially when you're in a relationship with someone that is still getting to know Jesus, to always remember that you start from the smallest of things and over time you build up on that because the moment you throw in the bucket all at once, you overwhelm them. So it is important that we realize that you know our relationship has to overflow, but it's something that we get to experience over time. And then it's also not so much about how much inflow is getting in as much as it is about just remaining connected. Because sometimes we, we are connected. We want to just experience everything all at once, like I have got this huge overflow. Now suddenly I've got all this revelation inside of me that's coming out of me. 
but it's not so much about how much the, inf the how much the, how big the inflow is as much as it is about remaining connected because it is important to remain connected because as long as we are connected what happens there'll always be some inflow and over time guess what happens when you realize oh you know what i have the ability to get more you can always get a bigger hose and then you start receiving more so it is important to realize that being connected is the most important thing. Remaining connected just as much as it is important for a tree to remain rooted in as much as it might be a season of drought or a season of plenty. But as long as that tree is rooted and the roots are going down, there will always be an inflow. So that is what we are trying to communicate this morning, that it is very important that we find our source, we find our roots in Jesus Christ, because as long as we are connected to Jesus, then we will always remain, um, remain with an inflow, and over time, we will start to overflow from that place. So the other verse I just want to read is from Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20 to 20 to 23 to 27 from the Passion Translation. It says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellsprings of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what, set your gaze on the path before you. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked, even for a moment, or take the detour that leads to darkness. Now, in another version, I think it's the New King James Version, it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. But the Passion says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. What are the affections that you have inside of you? Here the Bible is saying that you need, we need to guard our hearts with all diligence, according to the New, New King James Guard our hearts with all diligence because out of our hearts flows the issues of life. So whatever, everything else that we experience externally starts from the inside. All of the things that we experience externally start from the inside. So if you look at the, the way that the world functions usually is that it's always trying to fix the outside. That's why, guess what? It is popular to see every videos and advertisements about working out because it's about how you look on the outside. It's very easy to see advertisements about makeup and all this. And I'm not saying all these things are bad, but I'm saying the world usually focuses on how, we, how things look externally, not realizing that the primary focus should be on what is inside of us. And Jesus actually showed us, showed this to us in, in, when you were speaking to, on the Sermon on the Mount, and that is one of the most powerful sermons that Jesus ever gave. He was actually alluding to the law in that time. Jesus said, you have heard that you were, it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother has already committed murder. What Jesus was actually trying to show people in that case is that you know, in the past when the, when the law was given, when the Ten Commandments were given, people always associated sin with the action. That is the external. So people said, you, you, you have only sinned when, you act, when you've actually done something bad. That's how people always associated sin. But Jesus came and he showed us the true standard of the law, which we cannot keep. And he said, but if you think about if you think angry thoughts at your brother, you've already done it. The same way with adultery, he says, you have heard that it was said, if you, if you sleep with or if you commit adultery, you shall not commit adultery. But I'm saying to you, if you only look at a woman and lust after her, you've already done it. So Jesus was saying that 
before you can even see an action, what do you see? What do you have? You have got the thoughts inside of you. It means everything that, start, everything that you see on the external starts from the inside. No one suddenly finds themselves committing adultery by mistake, by just bumping into a woman and suddenly they're, they're committing adultery. Guess what? You actually plan it. You actually plan, oh, on this particular day, my wife is not going to be around, she's going to be there, so I'm going to have an opportunity. Because it starts from the inside before you can actually see it manifest on the outside. So that is the reason exactly why we need to guard our hearts. Because before we can see something manifesting externally, it starts from the inner man. And if that inner man is not guarded, guess what? You can, and if, it, if you are just allowing every other thought, every other message, every other information to come inside of you, then that means eventually you will only overflow with whatever you have inside of you. When I was studying computer programming in my first year at university, I came across a term, I didn't know it was actually a term in computer programming. Uh, it's, it's abbreviated GIGO. Garbage in, garbage out. You can't produce something that is well and neat if whatever it is that you fed in was not well and neat. A program will only produce whatever it has been fed. So that is the same with us. We cannot produce good fruit if whatever it is we're getting out inside of us is not the nature of good fruit. You can't. And I'm going to read a couple of verses later on that just allude to that fact. But going back to Proverbs, it says, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellsprings of life. How are we doing when, when it comes to us paying attention to the welfare of our hearts? What are we deliberately and intentionally doing to guard our hearts, to keep whatever is inside of us in good condition? What are we intentionally doing? Because there's an intentionality to everything, even in not doing something. It's an intention. Doing something is an intention. So what are we intentionally doing to keep our hearts in good welfare? Again, another question that we need to consider for ourselves. Because if we are not doing that, then obviously we will find ourselves producing the fruit after the fruit of whatever is inside of us. Verse 24 says, avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words and uh, be free from using perverse words and no matter what, set your gaze on the path set before you. With fixed purpose looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. I like that part where it says, with fixed purpose looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. Maybe the question to then ask in that instance is, what are the distractions that we have in life? It's a very good question to ask ourselves. What is distracting us from focusing on the right things or from focusing on Jesus, the source of life? What are the life's distractions? You know, I listed a few things, and the, the, the amazing thing about my list is that, first of all, it's not exhaustive. It's just a few things. And secondly, they're not necessarily bad things. So our jobs can actually be distractions. There's nothing wrong. I work, like I, I mentioned at the beginning, that I work for a company. So that means I am actually working, intentionally working to provide for my family. So there's nothing wrong with me working. But is that my primary focus in life? Is that something that I consider above all things? One of the questions I asked myself a couple of months ago was, what kind of a person would I be? Or who remains if I didn't have that job? If I didn't have that house? If I didn't have that car? 
what kind of person remains. There's a reason why Jesus always mentioned or always spoke about having an eternal focus and not allowing everything else to distract us. Why? Because I suddenly realized when I asked myself that question that, my goodness, I've got so many failure points. And when I say failure points, I mean I've got so many things that I have subconsciously become, became, uh, that I have become you know, attached to, that if I didn't have them, I start to panic. There are so many failure points in our lives. Think about that. Think, think about it. Like, what happens if suddenly you're told you're fired? How do you feel? I know it's not a good place to be fired. I know that very well because obviously we do have needs. We do have uh, families that we need to take care of. But what kind of a person remains when you didn't have all that? I think there's a reason why Jesus never wanted to have things that would slow him down. Like from an external perspective, the Bible says the Son of Man doesn't even have somewhere to lay his head. Meaning he didn't allow natural things to become his distractions. So again, I'm I'm not saying a job is bad, but I'm saying sometimes we have idolized these things to a point where if we didn't have them, then our our lives fall apart. And guess what? Ministry can be one. Ministry itself can be a distraction. Because the first and foremost thing that we need to realize is that we are not, the first thing that we are called to be is to be in a relationship with Jesus. And everything else flows from relationship with Jesus Christ, including ministry. So if your ministry is on the basis of oh, this is the next uh, wonderful thing. I can also live out of it. So I'm just going to go into ministry and pour myself in into ministry, but with no relationship with Jesus, then that means that ministry can also become an idol and a distraction for you. Again, in and of themselves, these things are not bad things, but when the focus is wrong or when they are not coming from the right place, then they can easily become our distractions. So the question to always ask yourself now is, what is my distraction? What is distracting you in your life? The one umbrella term I can just give to distractions is anything that does not have an eternal focus is a distraction. Anything that does not have an eternal focus is a distraction. So it's good and well to have your job but how much of that vocation are you using to, to impact people for, it, for eternity? And one of, one of the things that Etienne just mentioned now is the good news campaign. How much are you using your job and the opportunity to work and the opportunity to encounter people at work to minister the gospel to them? Because that's how you can change that natural thing to become eternally focused? How much are you using whatever it is, wherever you spend your time, or wherever you spend your time with? Some of the questions I asked at the beginning. Where are you spending your time? Who are you spending your time with? How much are you using those opportunities to impact people for eternity? Because if it is only just, I'm meeting up with somebody just for the sake of it, then eventually, that thing becomes a distraction. Again, like I said, these are not necessarily bad things, but I'm just saying that we need to start looking at things from a different lens if we are ever going to experience the abundant life that Jesus has called us to. We need to start looking at almost everything from the lens of eternity. The moment we do that, then everything we look at, we will always look at it the same way that Jesus looked at it. Jesus always looked at everything through the lens of eternity. That's why it was easy for Jesus to strike an eternal conversation with anyone, simply because he used whatever was available in the moment to strike the conversation. He used water. 
He used the, the harvest, the field, the seeds, whatever was available in that moment, that's what Jesus used to have eternal conversations because his mind was always focused on eternity. Now, I spoke about distractions and the state of our hearts. I'm just going to read from Matthew chapter 18, chapter 13, verse 18 to 23. This is a, a very common passage of scripture, the parable of the seed. I'm not reading the first part, which talks about the different souls, but I'm reading the explanation of it. Uh, and in the explanation, there's also even a stating of what this kind of soil was. In Matthew 8, 13, verse 18 to 23 from the New King James Version, it says, this was after Jesus had actually spoken about the parable of the four souls. In fact, in, fact, in case you don't know about the parable, this is a parable where Jesus was talking about the four soils. The first soil was the path. And then the second soil was the stony ground. And the third soil was a soil where there were thorns. And then the fourth soil, he called it the good soil. So now this is the explanation of this parable. He says, therefore hear the parable of, hear, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, that is the devil, comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. This is the one that received seed by the wayside, that is on the path, on the road. So, verse 20 says, but he who received the seed on stony places or on stony ground, this is he who, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he, had no, he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some six, some 100, some 60, and some 30. So the explanation that Jesus was giving here about the four soils is that the four soils represent our hearts. The sower is God himself. The seed is the word of God. So anyone who hears the word and the devil and the enemy comes and snatches it away is like somebody where the seed has been sown on a path or on, on the wayside. How many times have we gone out of the church building and immediately forgot what was shared? Immediately. That has happened to me, still does. So I'm not saying these things from the perspective of I've arrived and I know everything like I, I am the good soul all the time. I'm just saying that because, you know, it's very easy to just be in a service and be distracted and not hear anything even though you're hearing something. You can hear my voice, but are you necessarily hearing what I'm saying? It's very easy to be in a place and not be there. So the one who hears the word and does not understand it is like somebody we just hears the word, walks out, and immediately forgot what was said. That's what Jesus was saying here. Then the one who hears the word but does not have root is like somebody who hears the word and suddenly it's choked because there's no death. So this is a person that is probably still growing in their relationship with Jesus, still trying to find their roots, and the word is sown, but because it's a stony ground, you know, it's difficult for the roots to penetrate the stones. So over time, the little soil will sustain it for a moment, but after a couple of days, it dies because there is no root. And guess what? What do the roots do? What is the purpose of a root? So that it's able to go down 
and get all the essential nutrients and water that the plant needs to grow. So that is somebody that is, uh, the, the, whose heart is, is on the stony ground. And then I like the third one as well, because this is a, a place where the soil kind of seems like it's good, but around it, there are thorns. So the word is sown, and then for a time, the, the plant actually starts to grow. It starts to have some stalks, some branches, and all these things. But because there are thorns that choke the growth of this plant, the plant wants to grow up, but there are so many things that are keeping it down. And the Bible mentions, or Jesus mentions, that those things that are keeping that plant down, what are they? They are distractions. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world. Something like a job. Again, like I said, there's nothing wrong with a job, but a job is a care of the world, right? We need it for this world. Like, I mean, many of us work in here, but I'm just saying that we need to start looking at things from the perspective of eternity if we do not want those things to choke the word of God that is inside of us. Right? Then lastly, the one, the word that is sown on good ground is the word that had no distractions, that had the least amount of distractions on it. So when the word of God comes to us, comes to our hearts, and there are no attachments, no other things that we are thinking about, but just the word, then there's an opportunity for us to grow and produce fruit. Because we are not allowing all these other things to come in and cloud what the word is intended for, which is to be fruitful. So there's only one soil out of four soils that produced. That is the one that had the least amount of distractions. That is the only soil that produced. Again, we all know where we are in our journey. Again, this is not a word of condemnation like what Sanzel shared now. A good word will always be a challenging word. And what is the purpose of challenging each other so that we can mature? That is the purpose of a challenge if you think about it. If I were to go to the gym and I'm always lifting the 10 kilos, then I'm never going to be challenged. But I have to get to a place where I feel my muscles need to fall apart. I'm not saying they should fall apart, but that's only when you actually start working out. Did you actually know that, even from a scientific perspective, that your muscles actually start working out when, they, when you start feeling the pain? That's the only, if you don't have pain, it means your muscles can actually handle it. But the moment you start feeling pain, that's when your muscles are being stretched beyond their natural capacity. That's only when you start experiencing the benefits of working out. That's why we need to be challenged so that we can mature. Focusing on anything that is not eternal will not produce the intended fruit of the Spirit. So we should always remember that if we are not receiving an inflow of what God, of, of the Word of God, of the Spirit, then it's most likely that we are receiving an inflow of something else. The, 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 the reality of our lives is that our hearts are always receiving something. We might not intentionally be receiving of the Spirit or of the Word of God, but there's definitely something that we are open to. Think about it. If you're not watching, if you're not spending time in the Word, in prayer, and in reading the Word of God, then there's probably somewhere where you're spending your time, right? Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever activity that you're spending your time in, is what you're consuming. So it doesn't mean that if there's no inflow of the Spirit or inflow of the Word of God, then there's no inflow in your heart. There is. 
Because whatever you're not spending your time on the word is what you're consuming. I've often found myself with all these uh, social media apps that I watch a video that I'm interested in, especially with all these um, reels. You watch one, then there's already a queue for the next one. And you, you think, oh, this is actually also interesting. Then you watch the next one. I've, I've found that when I, when I press the back button, I was already like five videos in. That's how easily we can get distracted with life. And that's probably after an hour of realizing, oh, I intended to only watch one video, but I ended up watching 10. And you actually don't even realize how time is, is just flown in that moment. So guess what? If you're not intentionally spending time in the Word and in building your relationship with Jesus, you're definitely spending it somewhere. And you know where your time is. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to you know, mention where your time is, but you know as an individual where your time is being spent. And it's a good opportunity to introspect. It's a good opportunity to start to think about what we're spending our time on and if what we're spending our time on is going to benefit us. Right? All right, I'm just going to rush a little bit just to get to the point um, I'm trying to make here. Now, from Matthew 6, verse 21 to 23 from the Passion Translation, Jesus said, For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. That is very true. Jesus, the context here was talking about money primarily. But that statement couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be more true for anything else. What your heart will always pursue is what you esteem as your treasure. So what you consider as valuable is what your heart will always pursue. So then the question then Jesus said is, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its, takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? This is just something for us to think about. Another translation says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's a very good place to ask ourselves, to pause and ask ourselves, what do I really value? What do I really esteem as my treasure? Because that is where your heart is. Whatever answer you give to that question is where your heart is. Okay, so I'm going to read from... Uh, John chapter 15, as we come to a close. John chapter 15, verse 1 to, 5, 1 to 5 from the Passion Translation. We gave an analogy of the, of the fruit of a tree as, you know, whatever it is that you produce on the outside, what flows out of you is a result of the nature that's inside, right? Now, John chapter 15, verse 1 to 5 from the Passion Translation says, Jesus speaking says, I am the true sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. So this is really the place I just want us to get to as I conclude that Jesus gave the illustration of a vine to say, 
He is the vine, like the source, and God is the vine dresser, and we are the branches. So any branch that is connected to the vine will receive what is of the vine, contains the nature of the vine, and will produce after the nature of the vine. That's what Jesus here is saying. And that any, any branch that is severed, that is not joined to the vine, guess what happens? It will not produce anything. What power does a vine or a branch that is just lying on the ground, what power does it have? It's got no power. Guess what happens? It just withers and dies because it is powerless. That's what Jesus was alluding to here as an illustration that if you are not connected to me, then you are just like a branch that is not connected, that is on the ground. You will never produce anything and you are powerless. That is as far as the spirit is concerned. Now the question we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of fruit is God expecting or intending us to produce of the spirit, the spirit that was given to us according to John chapter 7, that the first verse that we read? What is the fruit that God intends of us as believers? What is the fruit that should be flowing out of us? Well, the word is also clear. It says in Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit. I love this because the kids in kids' church have been taught this verse. And now every morning when I'm driving my son to crash, we are trying to develop this habit of praying. So he prays. And every day he prays this verse. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Money, cars, <laughs> jobs, sarcasm, like I said. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is what the Spirit produces. How often have we then misinterpreted what the word of God is saying as what the fruit should be? When the word says what the spirit produces is love, joy, peace, patience. So the question is what is flowing out of you? Are you overflowing with love, with joy, with peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control? Because that is the fruit that is produced of the spirit. And that is what we should be aspiring to produce inside of us. What the Spirit produces. Then as I come to a close, I have another question I just wanted to ask you. Not a question, rather, to ask is, how can we practically develop a culture of drawing like of having an inflow inside of us so that over time we can outflow to others. Like how can we practically develop that? Because it's one thing for me to bring the word and just quote all these verses, but without equipping people to realize how they can actually experience these in, in their lives. So how can we practically develop a culture where we are constantly drawing off the spirit and eventually then overflowing to others? So I've, 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 I've written a few things. Obviously, again, these are not exhaustive things, but these are things that we can practically do to help us get to a place where we are constantly receiving of him as well as overflowing to others. Be intentional about studying the word. Get a Bible plan to get started and a Bible to get started. So we need to be intentional about the word of God, about studying, not reading, Again, there's a difference between reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God. Anyone can read the Word of God, but studying something means you're studying to understand, you are reading to understand, right? That is what studying means. We study something so that we can understand it, right? So we need to be intentional about studying the Word of God. And like I said, one of the ways to get started is start on a Bible plan. These days with, with technology, the U-Version Bible is a good place to start. It's got Bible plans about 
anything you can think of. Go and start a Bible plan and start reading it. It it prompts you every day if you wanted to, to read the Bible so that you get into a culture where this becomes normal to you to just get into the Word to understand it. That's one way we could do that. The other way is to get into a discipleship relationship with someone. Do you know somebody that maybe you feel like you could benefit from? That's one way. Or do you know somebody that you think could benefit from you? That is what discipleship is all about. It's a two-way street. Who are you intentionally discipling? Or are you intentionally plugging yourself into a discipleship relationship? Again, this is, this is a question that Etienne has asked me, challenges me as well. Who, who am I intentionally discipling? Or am I intentionally in any discipleship relationship with somebody? What is discipleship in any case? Is it telling somebody to do certain things, A, B, C, and D, and follow instructions? That's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is really getting into the word and understanding what it is, studying together and growing in a relationship together with somebody. The same way Jesus imparted what was in him to his disciples. That's why we call them disciples. We need to be intentional about everything. Then another one is be part of a life group or partake in community. The good thing is every Thursday is, is a, as a church we've got life groups at 7 p.m. So you can always look for a life group that's closest to you. It's good to always plug into community where you can, in, in smaller and intimate groups, develop a culture of just getting into the Word and studying together. So be part of a life group. That's another way you can practically um, develop a culture of drawing and just receiving. Then lastly, nature your prayer life or praying in the spirit. This is something that we've been getting into as, as Grace Life. Uh, Shane is a, is a prayer series that he has done that's on SoundCloud. I'm actually also in the process of listening to it. It's something that there are so many truths that he has brought to the front that I had never even considered about prayer. I'd encourage you to go in and just start listening to that prayer series, but not only just listen, but start developing a prayer culture where you, know, you are intentionally praying, setting aside time to pray, or even just being conscious of the fact that anywhere you are, you can actually pray in the Spirit. When you're working, you can pray in the Spirit. Accomplishing what you need to do on a daily basis while also remaining connected to Jesus. So finally, in closing, I just wanted to say that, you know, it's, um, we're always challenging each other right now to, to come and, and share the gospel with somebody if the gospel has impacted your life, right? I was having a chat with somebody last week and we got to a place where, you know, what is the point of light? What is the point of light? It, it's so that it can shine in a dark place, right? For all to see. So there is no point in light just coming so that it can shine to other lights. That is, there is no point in us just coming Sunday in, Sunday out, so that we can just be here as all as lights and brag about how I'm an LED or I'm a fluorescent, my light is brighter than yours. There's no point in that. You, you get my point. Like, what is the point of me bringing a torch in a well-lit room? There's no point because it's already well-lit. The point of light is so that it can shine in dark places. And where do we find it? Not on Sunday. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life.
to contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca